0: First and Moose, week six. Oh, First and Moose, week 13, <laughs> week 13. He's getting ahead of himself. I know, I, I jumped three weeks ahead for some reason, uh, week 13 of the NFL Reaction Pod. Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenster, I thought there's a chance we we're going to lead in and talk about the Jets winning a football game. I thought there was a chance that we were actually going to ah, talk about it.
1: Ah, this is where this is where you've made a mistake, my friend. You, you see, the Jets—they don't win games because they have the perfect combination of bad football players, bad head coaches, bad play calling, and a bad front office. It's all mixed perfectly together. <laughs> where no matter what happens, they—they're gritty, man. They are. They are. this this blue collar team that finds a way to lose they just they that's they're just so so gritty so clutch that they just find ways to lose football games every week in a new creative fashion and i'm here for it
0: there i was listening to a a podcast earlier one of the people pointed out that it might be too nice to say this was a a planned tanking strategy to lose the game that might assume the Jets are too smart that this was a smart move that this was (laughs) the the scarier side of it is that they were actually trying to win and that they Mm -hmm. obviously Williams ended up getting let go today after I believe ESPN said it was the first time ever someone sent eight plus pass rushers yeah since like 2006
1: they started recording in a scenario in the scenario where there is less than 15 seconds 15 seconds or less on the clock the defending team has four to eight, has a four-to-eight-point lead. And it's uh, – I don't remember what the other scenario is, but 40-plus yards to the end zone and four-to-eight-point lead. Uh, you, you get it. It's the game-ending scenario, mm-hmm. that, and the, the other team just needs a miracle. There have been 251 scenarios where this has been the case. And this is the only time a blitz – with six or more rushers has been sent. No safety help. Absolutely insane. I died laughing when I saw it
0: happen. <laughs> I feel bad because it was <laughs> I mean, I just don't the call obviously ended up getting some talk about it after by Marcus Hayes. And I, I agree it, it's a weird call. Doesn't make sense, but that's what he that's what he goes through goes for he decides to send blitzes when when you shouldn't send blitzes but i mean the raiders though on their side that that's not something you don't want that game to be that close which is a little bit scary it's it's good they won but i mean if i'm a raiders fan i think i'm a little worried in all honesty right now
1: yeah how can you i don't know i I don't know how you can write up excuses for this one you got bailed out you lost to the Jets pretty much. That's not a good look for the Raiders. Uh, they got to figure it out quick. And now you don't have the Falcons or the, the Jets to play. You've got the Colts this next week. So you can't be goofing around. Uh, that's a huge, huge game for their playoff chances. So, yeah, I I can only take negatives away from this game for the Raiders because you can't we said uh, yesterday on our preview show that this was a must-win game, not because it was going to be a competitive match, but because if you lost it, it's over. You're, you're done. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much lost it. They just don't have the record indicating it. So, I mean, I guess good for them. You've got the win. That's the positive. But the negative is just about everything else. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, uh, my faith in the Raiders is dwindling more
0: and more by day, and yesterday did not help at all. You definitely can't feel good about the win. Maybe maybe you could convince yourself that, hey, we won, but I don't think you're feeling good after yesterday by any means. I mean, some stats to kind of show how bad the Raiders played and also how bad the Jets have been just all this season. Sam Darnold threw more touchdowns than interceptions for only the second time this season. That's not good at all. Ty Johnson, who had only 60 yards on the season, had 104 yards in his first career touchdown yesterday. The Jets had their first pick since week six <laughs> and and New York had a season high three hundred and seventy six yards of offense, which I feel like you see three fifty like, that's pretty high. yeah you you feel like three fifty is like an average or something, and they're barely oh eclipsing goodness. that so it's i mean it just proves how bad the Jets have been this year and I don't know yesterday's like window at the end the one o'clock game slate you had Jets Raiders. Which was kind of crazy at the end. Vikings, Jaguars, Lions, Bears. It was like this. Like I enjoyed it, but it was so many crappy teams going head to head at mm-hmm. the end. And I was like, why? Hey, could, why am you I could enjoying? Colts
1: Texans in there. You okay. Throw yeah. Colts Texans in there. Um, no, it was it was a great witching hour. But you're right, it was with a lot of bad football teams. I it was one of the best moments of Red Zone this year um, mm-hmm. because it just had so many of those games in the one o'clock window coming down to the wire. Um, but I mean you gotta love close games even though it's crummy teams <laughs> it, it, especially when we're getting to that point in the year where teams are getting eliminated from playoff contention had the Jaguars beaten the Vikings I I would say it was pretty much over for them had the Jets beat the Raiders it was going to be over for the Raiders Um, the fact that the Lions ended up being the Bears I think knocks the Bears out for the most part and so with all those things in mind they had some purpose but the flat the the, the fact of the matter is in most of those games it was due to some poor play by the other team because (laughs) the uh, i mean the vikings game ended in overtime with a terrible interception by mike Lennon. the bears lions game was decided because mitch trubisky on a drive where they were just trying to run up the clock fumbled the ball on a pass play And then, and then the Raiders, Viking or the Raiders, Jets was an absolute just screw up by Greg Williams. So it it was it was funny. It was also really entertaining because you could think that oh some of these teams are gonna get knocked out. Oh no, they saved it. And other teams are like oh they're barely not gonna get knocked out. But then they they screwed it up in the in the Bears case. Um, But it it was fun. But yeah, it was it, it was the kind of brand of football that can only happen if it's bad teams playing bad teams
0: and it's it was kind of like that march madness effect to me where you've got mm-hmm. so many games going on where like they're really bad games honestly the mm-hmm. first weekend there's a lot of bad games in march madness but you mm-hmm. you don't have you're not focused in so you don't notice it if mm-hmm. i sat down and watched one of those games i would probably not enjoy watching it but since there's yeah. like three or four going on i was like okay these are fun like there's some weird plays yeah, going on yeah exactly but that helped each other but i did thought it i did think it was one of the uh, more fun Witching hours of the season
1: yeah I mean it's I guess it is that sort of the red zone effect in a way and March Madness is another great example because you you watch the good game that's on that day you know Mm -hmm. that nine versus eight seed and then at the very end you start flipping through where there's two minutes left in every game and you know four and 12 is a close matchup and then the nine and eight games within seven points and blah, 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 blah. And you get to catch the exciting conclusions, which is what March Madness is all about. Um, so I, I totally see where you're coming from there.
0: But one thing I want to ask you, Mark, is, are you excited about a seventh seed being in the playoffs? I know it was discussion. Some people don't love it because, you know, they want to be challenging and they don't want to be talking about, a not as good team kind of it's the same argument about four college football playoff teams expanding to eight. some people don't want yeah. it because it you know makes worse teams get in then we're talking about teams with two three losses in college football but are you excited about any seventh seeds that you think are getting in or wh- what are you thinking so far in this season um the AFC definitely excited for that 7C to be in there
1: because I feel like that would have been a very good team missing out on the playoffs mm-hmm. and deserve to be in the playoffs. And I'm not saying that just because the the Colts are sitting in that 7C spot <laughs> right now. Um, I mean, that is the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Raiders, one of those teams that those are good football teams that would be missing out on the playoffs and I think would be a great addition to the playoffs. Um, NFC side, uh, it should be fun. I mean, we now have a tie for that last spot, uh, the Cardinals and the Vikings, which is really interesting considering where the Vikings came from. And then, I, I don't know. For me, my issue with the, the playoff changes was less about adding the seven team and more about removing that bye from the two seeds. Because, and I know I've driven this nail over and over again, but that bye now is huge. And it's a massive advantage. And I kind of like the fact that the second seed also got a bye, which meant that the number one seed, which already has a huge advantage of getting to the the Super Bowl, we've seen it these past few years. We've had barely any teams not the one or two seed make the Super Bowl. Now I feel like that's going to be even worse. The one seed just has such a massive advantage. And there's no one that can really even compete with that you know the one versus two seed in the championship game used to be i thought a fair bout because mm-hmm. you both had a bye, and the one seed got the home game fair enough but now the one and two seed is the one seed gets the home game and has had a week off is, is one more week fresh than the other team whom have played tough opponents so this isn't just like during the regular season one team gets the bye and, and then they play each other two weeks later like these are playoff games in January. Like these are tough games that could do a lot to to your body. And, and I think that's where my bigger gripe is, is because I feel like that's too much love being given to the one seed. And I think two seeds should earn that buy But you know, I, I'm not gonna completely knock it until I see it in action. It could be the card weekend's going to be wild. And so it, it'll be fun to watch. But I, I I do think in the long run I'll miss the six-team format. And
0: I think a, just a big thing this year we talked about a little bit is the Steelers. If they don't get that bye week, when you really think about it, the Steelers haven't had a bye week since like week three when it was thrown
1: yeah.
0: on them. And that wasn't didn't even really feel like a bye week because they practiced all week. And I know the bye weeks are weird this year because you're not allowed to like leave your, your home city. So it doesn't really feel and you have to go get check in and test it a lot. So it doesn't really feel like a bye week normally would. But I think that'll be huge if the Steelers fall to the two seed because they haven't really had a sort of bye week since the beginning of the season. And then you're just going to – it's a, it's going to be difficult for them. They really need the bye, and we will end up talking about that more and more as we go along. But I think they're, they're a team that really, really needs it. And that, that could hurt with this new format. Yeah, definitely. But a game I wanted to jump on was – Packers Eagles I know it's not the most exciting one but I wanted to talk about Carson Wentz a little bit and Jalen Hurts I believe they should honestly move to Jalen Hurts I think it's I think it's time they 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 did in a way they got rid of they benched Carson Wentz in the game he wasn't doing anything but this team really needs a quarterback that can buy time because things are always falling apart. It's partially due to Carson Wentz holding onto the ball too long and just kind of going for hero plays, which plenty of people have talked about. But just the – he really – when Hurts went in there, he really gave some juice to the offense. He kind of got things going. He was harder to tackle. It was, you know, times where the Packers would have sacked – Carson Wentz, they weren't at able to sack Hertz and he got positive yards from it. So I think it's just time to to move on and say we're we're done with Carson Wentz. The problem is it's just the salary, is the cap hit. And Damn. I can't even think of like really any suitors for him out there. It's it's gonna be difficult to move on from him, and it really sucks because I I think they need to. They need to move on to someone like Hertz.
1: Yeah, I mean, here's my thought on this. And it's tough because we're exposed to it week in and week out. But before the season started, if I told you that Carson Wentz was going to have a really bad year, would you say, oh, they need to move on from him? Or would you say, that sucks, but it's a weird year. We'll give him another shot.
0: I would probably say it's a weird year. Give him another shot.
1: Yeah. And so that's – I say go with Hurts for the rest of this season. Give him the chance to get comfortable. Maybe he is better than Carson Wentz. But I don't know, especially with the cap situation, I think you keep Carson Wentz for another year and see how they both look in camp next season and most likely give Carson Wentz another go at it. And if he looks bad, like, you you give him a short leash. You say, hey, we understand that year last year, and we're we're not tolerating that again. But we also understand that last year was really weird. <laughs> it was really strange. So you better go out there, look like the quarterback you were prior to 2020, and prove to us that you're still our guy. And I think Jalen Hurts can understand that. Because I think Hurts, he's, he's given what he's due right now because he's playing in a more electric style right now and, and is doing more for the Eagles offense at this moment but he'll also understand the situation as far as this year is concerned. He'll only be a second year player. And he understands that Carson Wentz has been given a lot of money to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. So he should probably be given another go, especially since he had an MVP caliber year just a couple of years ago. So I, I don't know. It, it's tough because like I said, at the beginning of the season, I'm curious to see what sticks and what reverts back to 2019 in 2021 because we don't know what's going to. We don't know who's being really affected by this. Who, what, what, what protocols are really throwing people out of their groove mentally and are struggling because of it? And Carson Wentz could be an example of that. Now, I'm not going to go out there and defend Carson Wentz. He's been awful this year. But I think given this situation, because this is a sticky situation, as you've already mm-hmm. pointed out, I think Wentz deserves another year. I think the Eagles should give him another year just to make sure that they don't get rid of him pay the price of getting rid of him, and then he finds success elsewhere. Because then then that could nip them in the butt later.
0: I just – I don't know what even they could get for him because he's going to yeah. bring such a huge number, and I don't I don't think you're getting a return investment. So I think that I could definitely see them holding on to him and giving him a short lease. They'll have to look internally and see what they can do because yeah. they've just got other – issues than just Wentz as well right right so it's it's gonna be a storyline for next year if they can find the groove that they had on their Super Bowl year and if Carson Wentz can turn around but I, I agree the the short lease is probably the smartest way to go kind of do it like Trubisky if he uh even if you're yeah. winning games <laughs> just just move on from him if he's sucking you just got to give yeah. up on him but we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that how that goes Rams, Cardinals, Mark, I was kind of paying attention to it. And the, the game was like 24-21. then I feel like I looked away from it, looked back up, and it was 38-21. I mean, what, what were your just biggest takeaways from that game? It seemed close to me, but I wasn't paying super close attention. Then it like blew up a little bit.
1: Hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you my answer to that question because I have a very firm answer to that. Um, Here are some of the notes I took while watching the game. The first and foremost note is I need to apologize to Aaron Donald because on Sunday I said, can Aaron Donald handle Kyler Murray? Can that pass rush handle Kyler Murray? But really the question should have been the other way around. Can Kyler Murray handle Aaron Donald? And the (laughs) answer was no. For the most part, no. Aaron Donald came in and he played a massive game. He chased down Kyler Murray. Uh, his other pass rushers are in there and getting wrapping down Kyler Murray not letting him you know run all over creation I mean the guy only had 15 rushing yards this guy has made it near 100 on several games this season and they held him to 15 in Arizona so I'm sorry to Aaron Donald I have the utmost respect for him as a player And I feel like my Kyler Murray bias showed out yesterday and I need to, I need to wrap myself in check here. Aaron Donald is one of the best players in the NFL, if not the best. And uh, there is no one in the game that Aaron Donald has to be worried about. They have to be worried about Aaron Donald. So that's the first thing. Secondly, there's not enough love out there for Cooper cup. This guy is a really good receiver. He is very good with his route running. He's really shifty. Like, this guy does not go down easily. And he also is very good at when he goes down, not getting creamed, which I think is actually a pretty admirable trait. Obviously, there are times where you got to just take the hit and be a champ. But not taking hits, although it may sound selfish, is really smart because then you could play at tip-top shape for your football team longer. And so I think that's great. He's got great hands. Uh, again, his shiftiness, underrated. Uh, I, I remember I remember bashing Robert Woods when he came out and said he thinks he's, when they asked if he's the best receiver on his team, and he said, dude, I think I'm one of the best receivers in the NFL. And I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't even know if you're the best receiver on your football <laughs> team. Back to the original question that was asked of you. Cooper Cup is great. Um, just wanted to give that a, some appreciation. Now I want to talk about something else. And that is the Rams operate in some great, sets they have got a great group of guys in a lot of positions um the wide receiving position you've got cooper cup and robert woods both good wide receivers and they've also got some uh, other receivers in there they have a great pair of tight ends and tyler higby and gerald everett they've got some great defensive linemen obviously aaron donald and then samson Ibukam and others benefit from it um and then you've got some great secondary pieces and john johnson and um uh, Taylor, Tyler Rapp. I can't remember if it's Tyler or Taylor. And then, of course, Jalen Ramsey. And then, lastly, the running back group. Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Malcolm Brown are all great running backs. I remember earlier in the year saying they are a perfectly fine team to rotate through these guys. But I'm surprised that it's held up this long. Because I had a feeling maybe at some point in time, one of those running backs would strain together a couple good games, and they'd kind of become the main guy with just his posse of backups that also will get some reps. But really, they just rotate through their running backs, and they all bring something to the table. Even in games where – in each game, one of them breaks out and does something great, only for the other two to then follow it up. So yesterday, Cam Akers made some great plays early on, an awesome touchdown to tie the game up in the second quarter. And I thought, oh, maybe Cam Akers is the guy now. Maybe he's he's led the group. But then – Darryl Henderson made some great cuts, great runs, and then he had a great long touchdown in the second half. And then Malcolm Brown had some clutch runs to get first downs and, and did other great things. Like, And Malcolm Brown, I thought, was the best running back week one against the the Cowboys. So they all can step up. They all are, are very good at uh, attacking the hole and, and taking advantage of the space given to them. And so they have a great running back group, which all leads to this. All of my takeaways have pretty much been about the Rams. And that's because I think we learned a little bit about who is a real good football team and who are a bit of opposing fo- football team. The Rams are good. The Rams have pieces everywhere. They're playing good football. They got a good defense. They have, a, they have an underrated offense. People are not talking about how good this offense is enough. They have so many talented pieces. I think it's just because people look at Jared Goff and go, eh, you know, uh, this is a good football team. And Jared Goff is very lucky to have all these pieces around him. And then on top of that, even though the score was 38-28 and it felt like it was close until the Rams pulled away at the end, whoops, I think that the entire game, it felt like the Cardinals were just trying to stay in it. They felt like they were just trying to be a good team and capitalizing off of a few big plays to make it look like they were a good team. But most of the game, the Rams were obviously the better side. The Cardinals benefited from just a couple of big plays going in their favor. They had that 58-yard touchdown to to start the scoring in the game. They had the muffed punt, which resulted in them getting into the red zone and scoring a touchdown right then and there. Um, They had a couple other big moments that really kept them in the game, but for the most part, they struggled. And then I think the pick six at the end definitely emphasized the fact that these teams are in two different tiers of football. The Rams are certifiably a playoff team. They're a good playoff team. I, I don't know if I would want to be a division leader and have to play them. They might end up being a division leader, and I definitely wouldn't want to go to SoFi to play the Rams. And the Cardinals are going to be a team that are going to desperately try to get into the playoffs. They, since the uh, Hail Mary uh, miraculous uh, DeAndre Hopkins catch, they're 0-3. And so they have been on a bad spell here and are now neck and neck with the Vikings to even make it into the playoffs. The Vikings have the tiebreaker over them right now. So they are currently sitting in the eight seed outside looking in. Whereas a couple of weeks ago, we were pretty confident in this Cardinals team being in the playoffs, which is brutal because I think we kind of, they've kind of gotten exposed as being a, a bit of a faker team. Their defense just doesn't have it. And their offense is too inconsistent. There are games that look great and then there are other games that they just struggle and they're they're running into a bit of a, a rut here on offense these past few weeks. So the big takeaway is that the Rams are much better than the Cards and the Cards may need to beat the Rams on week 17 to make it into the playoffs and I don't know if I
0: trust them to do that. They kind of come off and it might be due to Kingsbury just his personality but they come off you could Call them a little bit of a poser, but they like those flashy things, and you could throw it back mm-hmm. to I mean where Kingsbury was sitting and his camera set up for the n f l draft he seems mm-hmm. like he's a guy that's into you know showing off a little bit, maybe not mm-hmm. every little detail like the Rams offense runs off of is like minor details of just mm-hmm. uh, the the gritty nose of a uh, football, but are you more confident in the Cardinals or Vikings? making the playoffs right now i mean the vikings didn't look great they had to go to overtime versus the jaguars but the they're winning football games right now compared to the cardinals i know we're probably gonna look at their their schedules here
1: yeah
0: but if, if you i mean do you do you have confidence in really either of them or i know you said you like the seventh seed in the afc whoever it turns out to be but the seventh seed in the nfc doesn't look super strong
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm really bought or sold on the seventh seat, either of the Vikings or the Cardinals. And and I, I would like to say, as much as I've bashed on them this season, don't be surprised if the 49ers fix themselves into that mix as well. They are five and six. They play tonight. So by the time this airs on U ninety two, they may be six and six. If they're five and seven, then the odds aren't really in their favor. But I wouldn't be surprised if they fix fit themselves into that narrative as well. But I think it's just going to be a matter of who messes up less, because the Cardinals have the the Rams and the Forty Nine ers left on their schedule, which I think those are two tough games. And the Giants is next week could could end up being tough. And then the Vikings have the Bucks and the Saints. So. I think it's less about who's going to make the statement wins and more about who doesn't cough up. And that'll be who makes it into the playoffs. And unfortunately, I think they're the ones who have the better chance of winning in the playoffs out of the two seven seeds because in the AFC, you either play the Steelers or the Chiefs. And I don't think either of those teams are losing in a wild card round. So even though I like the seven seed and the AFC better, I think whoever wins the seven seed in the NFC has the better odds of pulling off the crazy first ever seven to two upset. So I, I think it's going to be a matter of who screws up
0: less. I think that scares me a little bit more because the Packers are currently the two seed <laughs> right now. So maybe I don't, I don't want that exactly to happen, but we'll, we'll have to see if the, the saints fumble down the line. Hopefully Mm-mm, they do yeah. uh, for, for Packers fans sake.
1: Yeah. Sorry. I didn't even think about that, <laughs> but I mean, uh, my point, I, 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 it doesn't change my opinion on the point. <laughs>
0: Another interesting one was Giants-Seahawks yesterday. Yeah. And, I mean, this has to be Russell Wilson's, like, MVP chances, like, completely gone if he had a glimmer of hope. Do you feel like this just threw it out the window here?
1: Pretty much, yeah. The Seahawks don't really have anything else to to claim to fame now. They're 8-4. and They're not even the leaders in their division. And now their precious undefeated at home uh, stretch is gone. Russell Wilson struggled. They scored 12 points against a four and seven football team. I guess that statement about the Giants being the best one and seventeen they've ever seen may have been true because they are now five <laughs> and seven and just beat a team that was competing at the time for the number one seed. I think we can kind of scratch them off. I think they're done, um, and they may not even win their division. I like the Rams, so yeah. I don't think you can argue he's the MVP anymore because he's no longer carrying his team week in and week out. He has, in in effect, not won games for his team. And you can't say they lost 45 to 40 and they lose because that's not what the score was. They scored 12 points. So some of the fault is on Russell Wilson. So, I mean, he didn't play particularly terrible, but he's not playing at an MVP level anymore. And so I think that he's had too many bad games this season and his run for the MVP is over. And it seems to be that same formula every year for Russell Wilson. He starts off really well and people are like, Whoa, he'll finally get his MVP. And then he kind of putters off later in the month. So, I mean, I, 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 I think he's done.
0: Before I want to talk about what they need to fix. I want to ask you this question. So, currently, if the playoffs were played today, the Giants would be the fourth seed. They have a good shot being the fourth seed. And the Seahawks would be the fifth seed. Yeah. So, is there a world out there that the Giants win a playoff game? That an NFC East team wins a playoff game? With the way the Giants are playing, yes.
1: There is a way that they could win a playoff game. A couple weeks ago, we were in the mud in the trenches as far as who is going to step up in the NFC East and do they have any chance of winning a playoff game? And the answer was no, 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 no one's going to step up. I remember a couple of weeks ago when we were looking and we were saying we were just waiting, waiting for a team in the NFC to find something, find a rhythm. But we didn't really think it'd be the Giants because they were one in seven. We thought they were the least, uh, of the worries in the NFC East and they have come out and started playing some great football I know we've pointed out that their defense is pretty good but they really stepped up and they played a great game yesterday so the Giants could do it I don't know if they could beat the Seahawks again because I think you're going to get an angry Russell Wilson trying to get payback but they could I mean they just beat them so obviously there's a mess. so I don't know. I might be rooting real hard for the Giants should they make the playoffs. Uh, I like their odds too, especially now after that huge win.
0: And there is some pros and cons playing the Seahawks again. Like you said, a, a con would be Russell Wilson would be mad. And I think it's hard mm-hmm. to beat a team like that, especially that I think just has more talent on it overall. Mm-hmm is it's going to be hard to beat them twice but i think they're still this after looking at the teams that are in the playoffs with the the bucks and the vikings i still feel like they would rather play the seahawks because the seahawks are just so up and down right now but before we take a break i will i want to talk about what what they need to fix and i i don't think the defense is really that fixable i don't think it's going to change i don't think that's what they need to fix and I guess it just comes down to Russell Wilson, in all honesty, and if they're willing to still make him pass it a lot. Or do you think this stretch of time, Russell Wilson's going in a decline, he's descending right now. Do you think Pete Carroll goes back to the run game and Chris Carson? Because Chris Carson's been out a little bit, but I feel like they need something to get going. And I'm not sure if Russell Wilson can be, can be the sole answer. I feel like they've got to go a little bit to a – to a run game especially in December and hopefully Mm -hmm. January unless things completely topple over for them
1: yeah I think that in order to help out a defense is by keeping them off the field (laughs) I mean that's kind of (laughs) brutal but if you can run the ball and have longer sustained drives that also helps your defense because they have more resting time and they have the chance to come in and put in a couple of good downs and stop and force a punt and give your offense the ball again to, to milk out the clock Whereas if you're playing pass heavy, you're just going to have downs where you go three and out and you're throwing your defense under the bus immediately. And so not to mention if you're going to win football games in January, you got to be able to run the ball at least a little bit. And so the the Seahawks need to figure it out because they can't play pass heavy if their defense can't bail them out and their defense can't bail them out anymore. This isn't the legion of boom. <laughs> this is very far from it. So yeah, they they need to not put all the pressure on Russ right now. I know in years past in the playoffs it's been frustrating because they don't give it to Russell Wilson, but they're going from the get-go. Oh, my goodness. you hear those dogs?
0: I do a little um,
1: bit. They're, they're barking out <laughs> the downstairs. Um, <laughs> so apologies for that. You've got to be able to run the ball at least a little bit. Now, when the game comes down to the wire, you let Russell Wilson take the ball. But up until then – you, you got to give your defense a fighting shot.
0: I agree. And I just think they're going to have to go to the run game a little bit and not make Russell Wilson carry the whole team because he can't right now. Yeah. But we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult, I just can't do it. Well let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor and it's the simplest way to make a podcast and I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free, there's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on spotify apple podcasts and so many more platforms you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place go make a podcast download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started that's a-n-c-h-o-r.fm to get started And we are back. First and moves, Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenster. The Patriots dominated yesterday. Oh. And especially on special teams. And there's still hope for them to make the playoffs. But I, I'm not really sold on them, to go to be completely honest. I'm not ready to buy into them in a in the playoff hunt. I know they are, but I don't think I'm very confident that they can do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're playing from behind. They're, if they're trying to get into that seventh seed, the seventh seed is currently occupied by a team with two more wins than them. That's a, that's a tough hill to climb with only four games left. So I don't see it happening. They might wreck the Dolphins' season. They might mess up the Bills. But I don't see them getting in themselves. And <laughs> funny story, I woke up on Sunday and an old friend of mine, someone I haven't talked to in a while, reached out to me and asked a fantasy football question. Do I start the Patriots defense against the Chargers or the Bills defense against the 49ers? And I was thinking, hmm, well, the Patriots are in Los Angeles and Justin Herbert typically puts up a ton of yards. I don't know if that's a good move. So I, I'm going to recommend the Bills against the 49ers because Nick Mullins is still a quarterback. And I think the Bills are going to – go in and and do what they need to do and and hold up the 49ers offense so I screwed him over real bad because I told him (laughs) Bill's defense and the the Patriots shut out an opponent had two defensive touchdowns um no had a defensive touch they have two special teams touchdowns which account for the defense because he had a blocked Mm -hmm. field goal return touchdown and a punt return touchdown so I I hurt him big time and I'm too scared to apologize to him for that so I'm just hoping Hoping the Bills' defense does well enough for him to win his football game, his fantasy game. But yeah, I, I mean, look at it. Cam Newton only threw for 69 yards, and the offense didn't even reach 300 total. So I, I don't know. It you dropped 45 points and did that, I think that goes to show that a defense and a special teams unit just bullied the Chargers. So I, I don't think they're going to make it work. They'd have to win out. And, I mean, let's take a look at their schedule real quick just to, to confirm my beliefs here. They've got, they've got three tough games. they got the Rams, Dolphins, Bills, and then you end the season with the Jets. So I, I don't think it's going to happen because of the situation they're in. They had a terrible midseason where they had that four-game losing streak after starting off the season looking really good and have since then struggled. And and since then have picked it back up again, but it's almost too late now. Uh, The AFC is not forgiving anymore about stuff like that. So it used to be, I, I don't see them making it.
0: I don't either. And if they just could have pulled off a win against like that Broncos team or the Texans, we would, they would, it would be a one game difference. That would be a little bit more, on them, but mm-hmm. I still think I'd be honestly out just because their remaining schedule is uh-huh. just a very difficult road ahead of them. So I, I'm not in on the Patriots. I'm, I'm out on them. I, I don't think they can do it. But this, this can't be good for Anthony Lynn and his crew of the Chargers. It this is not a good look whatsoever. Because at least if they decide to run it back with them, they had the argument that they were fighting every down and staying in games even though they've had injuries and whatnot and struggles you could you could argue hey we're we're in these games but if this is a continued trend where they're losing by big margins that's he's going to be let go
1: talk about a brutal way to get knocked out of playoff contention obviously they at this point they pretty much knew they weren't going to make the playoffs Mm -hmm. but losing 45 to zero to knock you out of playoffs contention is that's rough
0: and it's it's not even like a team like the chiefs or something it's not a top-notch team either it's a team that Mm -hmm. no one's not a lot of people are sold on browns titans i watched this game closely and it was a different game than i would say probably anyone expect it yeah (laughs) it was it was it was crazy the browns had it had a 30 point lead in 17 years uh the rest of the nfl at least had a 30 point lead once in the past eight seasons. So it just shows you how bad the Browns have been for, for so long. I believe I don't have a stat. I didn't write it down, but I believe I saw this where no, I think only one time a 31 plus lead has been given up in the NFL. And that was like the, the oiler. So they're not even like around Mm -hmm. anymore. So it doesn't happen when they got up. I was like, could the, could the Browns give up this lead? They, obviously ended up being outscored 28-3, but the first half made the game Mm -hmm. pretty much over. But some things I wanted to talk about from it was Baker Mayfield after the Odell injury. I wanted to see if anything's really changed. It actually ended up being perfect with six games with Odell and six games without. I counted the six games without because Odell got hurt in an and won the games but I said that was without Odell because it's basically without him he didn't play he only had one target the entire game completion percentage not a huge difference it went from 61% to 64% interceptions is pretty big it went from six to one yards per game interesting he had 182 yards per game now he's down to 104 but I don't think it's this is Odell I at first, I thought maybe some things are tied to Odell and how Baker's playing, but I think they've just bought into how they want to play football. And that might have to do with Odell and saying, like, "Hey, okay, we don't need to get him a certain amount of touches every game. Because someone like Odell, you have to get him touches every single game. Normally, you he's a dynamic playmaker where you want to give him some touches, see what he can do most of the time. But this team has really bought into basically – not using Odell. I mean, not using Baker Mayfield. And yesterday, they used him more. He had four touchdowns. He played very well and used play action a ton, it, and it worked phenomenally. But I really like this this Browns team that doesn't rely whatsoever on Baker. But the thing is, what feels weird is that it's still up to Baker. Even though the team doesn't rely on him and doesn't put pressure on him to win games. It still feels like their ceiling is completely tied to Baker Mayfield. And if he's going to play well or not, he's been playing well, hasn't thrown many interceptions, hasn't thrown many touchdowns. He just hasn't been asked of much, but there's going to be a time where he's asked to do things. And I'm just just not sold on him yet. I I'm still, even though he played well, I don't think in high pressure situations, he can do a lot. His footwork looks a little bit better, but it's still frantic at points. And I just, he just looks so like scared at moments and all honesty when, when pressure's coming,
1: but this was a huge, yeah. win.
0: what you're saying? Yeah. Huge win
1: for the Browns. I mean, Baker looked sharp yesterday, but I think you're right. He, I mean, he had the confidence that his team was playing well and he had the, he kind of had the ability to just, you know, let loose and play well um if they can figure out how to get them to play like that no matter what then they're in a really good spot but this is a huge win for the Browns I I think this one's even bigger than when they beat the Colts in week five because this is the Titans team that just came off a great win and you go in and you put on a clinic in Tennessee that's that's pretty good stuff and it it makes the Browns a team that the four seed's not going to want to play and that four seed's probably going to be the Titans so good luck Tennessee you get to run this one back so baby that's a good thing or maybe you're going to run into the same issues again and and get dropped out in the first round of the
0: playoffs. It it is a huge win. It's a big win and most likely the Browns are in the playoffs. They still have a chance to fall out of it. I really doubt it. I think this Browns team is probably a 10 win team at least, a possible 12 win team depending how things play out. But I I would say around the 10-11 team win. But the Browns in the first half scored on every single drive in the in the first half and I don't think that's gonna happen again for the Browns and it was just so lopsided so weird but Stefanski is definitely another candidate for coach of the year what he's done for them I think it is Brian Flores and him I think Mike Tomlin will be thrown in there because he's undefeated any coach that leads an undefeated team depending how it ends up deserves to be in that but I just think it's probably going to be Flores versus Stefanski. And what he's done with the Browns, is it's been really good because we've mm-hmm. seen the highs and lows of Baker Mayfield, and he's brought some highs out of him, which doesn't seem like a lot of coaches possibly can at
1: this point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. It, the, the Browns, uh, what's interesting to me, I think I've wondered this once or twice before, and it was that the – I wanted to know if the Browns' success this season was going to be more indicative of Stefanski being really good or if it was more of an indictment of Freddie Kitchens being really bad. And it's probably both. And Mm -hmm. you're right. I think he should be in that conversation for Coach of the Year because this Browns team plays a really good brand of football. Um, I guess the only reason why I favor Flores over Stefanski is because I don't think anyone expected the Dolphins to do anything really this season. And so the fact that Flores has turned this team around from getting absolutely wrecked by New England and Baltimore week one and week two of last season to where they are now is astonishing. So I think that's why I give it to Flores, but that may just be I love the narrative. But I would be okay with Kevin Stefanski winning coach of the year as well, given what he's done in Cleveland.
0: And I'm going to ask you if you think – this is kind of crazy, but I'm not out on the Titans after this mm-hmm. game. Do you think I should be out of them? Do you, I just I have this weird belief that I think they can still find a way to get things going, or should I be more worried about them than I am? Because, honestly, they lost big. They didn't look good whatsoever. They never found their identity, which wins them games. But should I be worried about them? Because, honestly, I, I'm not.
1: I mean, my opinion is is they're the same old, same old Titans. So my opinion of them hasn't changed from this game, which is the fact that they're not a team that can consistently win. But if they get on a hot streak, then you gotta look out. And I think that remains the same even now. They they looked good for a little stretch and now they've fallen back down to earth again. They'll probably look bad for the next like two games and then maybe in, in the ideal scenario for Tennessee, they start looking again at the end of the year and bring that into the playoffs and make another run like they did last year. They're just, they're just a slightly better team than they were a year prior. And it's resulting in a couple more wins, but I still, I still think they're the same old Titans. I, I wouldn't be scared to play them again this week. If I was being a Colts fan, even though I just watched Derrick Henry roll us over last week. And it's just because I don't trust to see a great Titans team week in and week out. So my opinion hasn't changed. Your opinion may have, but I don't think it's crazy for you to still believe in them, though.
0: Would you? Do you believe the Colts or the Titans are more consistent this year? Who who do you expect to have a better shot at showing up game in and game out?
1: Well, I'd say the Colts have a lower floor, higher or or lower or higher floor, lower ceiling than the Titans because Derrick Henry is just that guy. That being said defense wins championships and the Titans don't really have that. So that would be my one leg up the Colts have the Titans. But if I had to pick one, as far as making a playoff run, I think the Titans have the better odds.
0: Chiefs Broncos. It was an interesting game. They had mm. a, a non touchdown by Tyreek Hill. Obviously <laughs> that was pretty crazy. And it just seems weird. I know people harp on the, the replay system and what it can and can't do, but it seems weird to me that there's not an official reviewer that can't stop that and overturn that because mm-hmm. it gets me into that area where it's like, well, what, what's the point? And I understand the this, this scariness of it about it possibly extend the game if the replay official can stop like the game all the time. And I, I see that argument, but it just seems so weird that anytime a touchdown happens, it immediately goes to review to make sure that it was not a touchdown. But there's not some mechanism to make sure if something was called a non touchdown to make sure maybe it was a touchdown. It just seems odd to me that teams are forced to challenge something like that. The Chiefs obviously should have challenged. They should have slowed down the punt. I don't know why they were so freaking out about getting off the punt and they should have been like, hey, w- wait till we make a decision, and, and run down the play clock till zero to punt it. But I mean, do you think that there should be a, a mechanism like that? And replay is a thing that, as we as we've seen in even last year, and challenges like that can uh, have bad effects that not every, not everyone expects.
1: Yeah, I mean. It's it's interesting. I don't know if I want some sort of replay usurper in New York or somewhere just saying like, "Hey, Colt, come, like, roll that back." Like, we're gonna we're gonna punt it. I think that's the kind of call you're you're supposed to challenge. And it was one of the wildest circumstances in the NFL. Tyree Kill didn't think he caught it, which is crazy for a wide receiver to not think they caught the ball. Um, and then. Andy Reed very quickly went to the punt, not to mention what was, where's the replay guy for the chiefs? Because you typically yeah. a football team has a replay guy. You should use your challenge on that. And they didn't. So no one, someone was caught sleeping. A tyree kill honestly thought it came off the ground and then just like plopped into his arms. Um, and it was just a stroke of bad luck and then andy reed was so hurried to get the punting team on like that was the fastest i've ever seen a punting unit come on and <laughs> not consider uh, consider the shot because they totally believed it was an incomplete pass there was no thought in their mind that they should challenge it and then they looked at the billboard and then they went oh we messed up it was one of the craziest moments i've seen in a football game though um I don't know if I like New York having more power to interject in football games though, because that would translate over to other plays that are more ticky tacky. And we don't need more things cutting up the flow of the football game, in my opinion.
0: I agree that I don't want the replay expand that much. And I probably just don't want it expanded at all because then it will expand to areas. I don't want it. Mm expand it so I guess that's that's where the issue lies is I guess the the extent they'll take it I have to just be Mm -hmm. satisfied with what we have Mm -hmm. but it just makes me sometimes interested hey why don't this will
1: this will be like the only time this happens in 15 years (laughs) like like I have never heard of a receiver not admit they caught it in a situation where they might have caught it so it was just it was a stroke of good luck and then a stroke of bad luck and quite frankly, he didn't earn the touchdown. He dropped it. He he dropped the pass, and then the deflection just kind of fell on his lap. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm okay with how it panned out. I had a good laugh about it, too.
0: Something I thought about Drew Locke, and I remember earlier this year, in our Biggest Questions podcast, I was reading things about the Broncos and – specifically drew lock about he brings the swagger this year and this is what the Mm -hmm. broncos need i was like what are they talking about (laughs) watching him just walk he seems like one of those quarterbacks that when he's walking that he believes he's better than patrick mahomes i honestly (laughs) has that persona about him where i'm like i think he thinks he's the best quarterback on the field tonight and (laughs) I think other quarterbacks, obviously you have to have confidence to be one of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. You have to be a confident person to believe you can do things like that. There has to be some arrogance about you, most likely than not. But I think some quarterbacks probably know where they land. I think Drew Locke is a guy that thinks he's a top-tier talent. Maybe maybe he'll turn out to be, but I just found that. I I thought I noticed that about him, just how he kind of carried himself he kind of just struts everywhere he goes. Saints, Falcons, Taysom Hill throws his first career passing touchdown, and I don't have a ton to think about this game. We both thought the Falcons had a good upset chance here, upset alert, but they weren't they weren't able to pull it off. They had a chance to. They they did have a chance, and I thought, man, there there's and they had more chances than they really should have had with the the yeah. Saints not being able to get a first down at the end. But this this Saints team, I get I mean I think they have a good shot at being the one seed, but they it's still with this NFC where I'm not I'm not confident about the one seed, and I hate to be a homer here, but with recent play, I think the the Packers would be. The, the best one seed in in the NFC. I don't think they mm-hmm. will compete very well against the Chiefs or the Steelers. But the mm-hmm. Saints team, even with Drew Brees coming back, I don't think I'm going to hop on their bandwagon and say, hey, this is the Super Bowl team we've been, we've been waiting for for the past three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I don't know. It's, it is a struggle because there's nothing – inherently terrible about the saints and that's why you kind of have to say they're the best team in the nfl on the nfc side sorry and it, it's annoying though because outside of alvin Kamara, there's nothing that wows me about this team either and so it which is unfortunate for the packers that the running back is what wows me for for the saints but the Packers on offense do so many things where I'm like, geez, they just go off and they're crazy. I mean, Lazard's playing pretty well. Aaron Jones is crazy. Devonte Adams is a madman. And Aaron Rodgers is playing peak Aaron Rodgers football right now. So it is kind of, it's weird because I, I just can't put a vote of confidence in any NFC team. And I think the NFC playoffs this year are going to be very entertaining because I think we're going to see some upsets as far as the seeding is concerned because I don't think that any team can beat any team in the NFC right now. So it only makes that one seed race even more important. And for the Saints, the fact that they're winning out right now with Chase Hill is a huge, huge accomplishment for them because he's he's playing all right, but – uh, he probably put on his best performance today, but even then they only put up 21 points. So uh, I, I I don't think the Saints would beat the Packers right now. They didn't beat the Packers earlier on this season when Drew Brees was at the helm. So it, I, I just, I don't know where to go with it right now. I'm still in this weird, like stalemate position where I can't put a vote of confidence in any NFC team. And I'm starting to get the suspicion that I'm not, when even when we get into the playoffs and it's just gonna be a matter of whoever ends up with the one seed, the team I'm probably gonna to pick to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. I,
0: I definitely see that. And I actually think if the how the Packers are playing, I think they'll end up with the one seed with the remaining schedule. They really only have the Titans left. And mm-hmm. you know, you gotta go against Derrick Henry, which is which is terrifying for a Packers defense. Uh-huh. to stop someone like that. But the saints to me have a loss on a definite loss against the chiefs on their schedule where the Packers can win against the Titans uh-huh. where I'm not sure the saints right now could beat the chiefs. And then obviously yeah. the, the Packers have that tiebreaker against uh-huh. the the chiefs MVP though, it seems like it's coming down to Patrick Mahomes and Rodgers, but I, uh-huh. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I still feel like it's going to end up being Patrick Mahomes. I'm not sure if there's much, that Rodgers is going to be able to do. I mean, he's going to have to play really well, obviously either of them mm-hmm. will, but I think just Mahomes is, is going to end up with a, another MVP here. I think
1: popularity definitely gives Mahomes the edge right now. They're playing at very similar levels. It's going to have to take one of them dropping for one to really certainly win. If Aaron Rodgers is going to pull it out, Mahomes needs to lose a game or two and it needs to, and he needs to throw a couple interceptions. Um, But at this moment, I think Mahomes has the edge just because of the fact that he's Patrick Mahomes, which is unfortunate because Aaron Rodgers kind of had that glory, but now it's, it's been, the torch has been passed to Mahomes per se. And so I don't know. Does it really matter? No, no. The fact that you have a quarterback that's competing for MVP is what matters. And that's great for the Packers and, Great for the Chiefs.
0: Before we go, you have any takeaways from that Colts-Texans game, Mark?
1: Um, uh, some people will say we got lucky, but I also say we got unlucky at times in that game. And so Colts got a great win, and the defense locked down the second half yet again. Uh, we just need there, – there are some decisions by our coaching staff that I thought were odd decisions. We went for it on fourth and one, right in the red zone. We could have kicked the field goal. I'm, I'm less upset with the, the decision to go for it and more with what we did. We went into shotgun formation and ran it up the middle with Naheem Hines, which I thought was silly because you just commit. Put Jacoby Brissett in, go I formation, and sneak the ball or give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. You don't have to do something cheeky. And we, it, it almost nipped us in the bud. I, I was, it was a concerning game, but we came out with the win, and that's what matters.
0: What is it with the Colts and the, the second half adjustments? Because they do seem to, to hunker down and play a lot better on the defensive side. of like. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so what I've started to learn is the Colts kind of play a base defense in the first half where they kind of let the opposing offense kind of take what's given to them. And I think they need to adjust that a little bit because it's kind of a Bill Belichick approach where they're just trying to figure out what the game plan is for the other team. And then they make the adjustments at halftime to snuff out the opposing team's game plan, but that's already come back and hurt us. We it almost cost us the Packers game. It definitely cost us the Titans game, and we're lucky the Texans defense is bad because we were able to stay ahead of the Texans despite the fact that our our defense are okay. Our defense didn't struggle as much against the Texans yesterday as it did against the Titans and Packers because the fact of the matter was our defense played well in the first half. Deshaun Watson and made it work. There were so many times I thought we were going to have sacks, and he just slipped away. He just took a sidestep. He slipped out of the moment, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh! Like, how how can I be mad at this? Like, he's just <laughs> crazy." So, and then in the second half, we were able to get to him and wrap him up a little more. So, it, this game was a little different, but the fact of the matter is, the Colts defense needs to uh, figure out how to play the space defense without allowing so many points in the first half.
0: Alrighty, Well, that's going to wrap it up for our podcast today. This has been First and Moose with Connor Taylor and Mark Schoenster. Thank you for listening, whether on the air or a podcast platform.